Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode from the archives, Pastor Andrew explores the nature of our souls and what actions we can take to prosper them. In the middle of all this, how's your soul going? How are you travelling? I'm sure there's been times of panic, anxiety, fear, concern, and then a few bits of anger and a few other things. So what do we do with it? I'd like to read a passage from 3 John, where John, in his letter to a friend, makes this incredible and wonderful comment. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For years, I'd read my Bible and never picked up this verse because my Bible at that point did not translate it just like this. It actually translated the word soul with life. And of course, the Greek word can do that. But when you bring soul in the equation, John is doing something with us that will bring us prosperity and health. Just as your soul prospers. Now, our soul is in fact... A war zone. It's a war zone area of our lives, both our mental life, our resolve or our will, and our feelings. And sometimes we win the battles, but often we lose them. And those losses have an incredible impact upon our souls that impact then our bodies and our spirits. How can our spirits be impacted by the battles that we lose in our soul? If you were to read Acts 16, it's a story where Paul gets irritated with a young woman who has a spirit of divination. And so much so that he gets so cranky that he commands the spirit to leave the girl and this makes her useless to her bosses who were making a fortune out of her divination. But if you go up into the background of it and look at the Greek word used for divination in that, it's Python. And coming out of the the religion of Apollo, a Python is a snake that crushes you, squeezes you to death. And a Python spirit works to smother our spirit to make us move away from the things of God that give us life. The power that comes to us through the cross of Jesus, through the presence of his spirit. So those battles in our soul can't be ignored. And they can have a long-term effect. And I want to touch on some of that this morning. And first we look at the issue of facades. 
many of us put on a facade. Now, some of it is to pretend to be something that we're not or to pull the wool over people's eyes. And we seriously need to deal with that because manipulation is never good, no matter who you're doing it with or why. But there's another facade that comes through pain, covering up the pain in the depths of our soul. And it's such pain that we need to let Jesus in to allow his healing power to dig into those wounds, to heal and restore, and to bring out in us, instead of the bitterness, the resentment, the anxieties, the fears, a sweet presence of his love, his peace, his kindness, and his compassion. If we wear a facade that comes out of pain, not only can Jesus help, but he wants to help. Why? He went to the cross just for that. That he would take our sins, our rebellion, and our hurts upon himself so that we could know the true freedom of God in our lives in our souls. The second area I want to pick up is anger. I don't know if you get angry, but we have such a confused picture of anger. If you get violent anger or even moderate anger, you feel bad about it. We've been taught you shouldn't get angry. Well, that's not the entire truth about anger. Paul writes this in Ephesians 4. To be angry, but not to sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your anger. So there are times when anger's the right thing. It's how we use the anger that determines whether it gives grounds for the devil, because Paul warns us, don't give place to the devil through your anger. So anger can have a positive outcome or a quite negative one. And even if we hold that anger back in the wrong way, we just push it deeper and deeper into our soul. So that at some point in the future, we're just going to explode. There are two types of anger. If somebody is justifiably angry with you, then deal with it. Apologise and ask their forgiveness and bring a reconciliation between the two of you. However, there are times when angry people are just angry, not necessarily against you personally. And it's those people I have found that you can challenge about their anger. I used to work for the Metropolitan Water and Sewage Board in Sydney, and I was in a section called Building Over Sewers. Now, if you came to our section, it meant that you had to have extra pilings for whatever you wanted to build. It was going to cost you thousands. Even a small building was going to cost you. So most people coming into our office weren't 100% happy. But one day, this guy came, and he was steaming. He was angry that he had to come, and he had to do extra work. And he started 
something on me about it. And I says, well, when you do it, your anger, I'll talk to you. And he calmed down. And we had a very long and profitable discussion that was going to cost him thousands. Had a chat about Jesus, and he walked out smiling. Do you believe that? He walked out smiling. So if someone's angry, unjustified, in other words, they're not angry at you specifically, you can challenge them to calm it down. And it can work. Because if you let the anger continue, it will bring such a negative outcome that would neither be good for them or for you. In our Gospel reading today, it's in John 14, verses 1 to 14, Jesus talks about going to the Father and leaving his disciples. He starts the conversation by, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, if someone says that to you, you either know you are already troubled, or if you're not, it's about to come. And for the disciples, it was about to come. Because Jesus was about to tell them that he was going. Now, that wasn't on their agenda. That wasn't in their plans. It wasn't in the contract. That in the midst of all this, he's going to disappear. That he's going to the Father. But he tells them that he's going to the Father to prepare a place for them. So they may come to be where he is. And his disciples naturally react. And Philip and Thomas respond. Thomas, well, where are you going? Why are you going? And Jesus responds with this incredible statement. When Thomas comes back to him and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I'll show you the way, or I'll show you the truth, or I'll show you how to get life. He didn't say he was going to give them directions, like a roadmap. He didn't say that he was going to introduce them to somebody that could seriously tell them about truth. He was saying, I am truth. And that's an incredible statement. Truth lies in the heart of the Son of the living God who had taken human form in the person of Jesus Christ. This is God present in the man we know as Jesus, the man we can see. And later, Jesus tells the disciples that if you've seen me, you've seen Father God. So that he's also our revelation, not just of the Son of God, but brings a revelation of Father God himself. And so when Jesus comes to us and calls us, he has not only the ability but also the power to impact our lives, to transform our souls, to turn around those impacts, battles lost and pain that goes back not only deeply, but for years. That he wants to come into 
our mind, our will, and our feelings, and to bring healing and restoration, to turn us around, to make us different people, to give us an incredible sense of life that we've not known before, where the future might have been gloomy, it's now filled with hope. But troubles may come, but Jesus is there. That he brings his life into our life. And because of that, we become lights in the world. Beacons for others to know God, to see God, to understand God. So that they can receive their inheritance as a child of God by coming through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross into the presence of Father God, where not only can we come, but that we can stand clean through and through. David Wilkerson, the originator of Ten Challenge in America, was talking to one of the young people who had been a drug addict and she would come to Jesus and she said to David, I feel so clean inside and I've got Jesus too. The Son of God came for you. He came for me. He came for every person on this planet. Not just the nice ones, but those ones who are just a little bit weird and freaky. He came for them because they also have that turmoil in their soul. The pain that goes so deep that it can only be addressed, redeemed, restored by the Son of the living God as Jesus on the cross. I remember years ago as an evangelist and God said, Andrew, I want you to lift the cross up in your own life and the life of your listeners as a preacher. And I mistook what that meant. And I remember thinking, okay, you've got to preach the cross. And so I would pick up the whole horror of the cross. And, of course, that's been done in a movie. Just how painful it was for Jesus. The devastation upon his body. So he couldn't even carry his own cross up the hill. So I'd add all that to my sermons and there weren't a lot of results. You know, you can't scare people into the kingdom of God. You could try and you might even get them, but you won't keep them. It's not the means by which God causes to come to him. We do need to hold God in awe because as Jude tells us, don't you know your God is a consuming fire? So we need to make sure we don't take God for granted. But on the other hand, he loves you so much. He loves me that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, 
on the cross for you and for me and for every other member on this planet. So how do I get it wrong? And the Lord said, I don't want you preaching about the horror of the cross. I want you to lift up the impact of the cross in your life and in their life. And as you listen to the readings of the first letter of Peter, you'll find Peter coming back time and time again to move out of those negative emotions, those negative feelings, those negative thoughts into thoughts of compassion and love and kindness and treating people good and putting up when you're persecuted for his name, even when you're doing good things. So Peter wants us to get this, that the cross needs to have an impact on our soul. It needs to change it. It needs to bring what Jesus has achieved in his sacrifice on the cross into our everyday living through a transformation of our soul. Getting your soul to say, yes, God, instead of no. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. There on the cross, Jesus took it all. He took our sin, he took our rebellion, he took our sickness, our illness, he took our anxieties and our fears. Lord, help our souls to prosper as John prays, that we may prosper in the things of this world and be in health. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.